Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 29 of the Go Get Outside podcast. This is your host, Jason Milligan. I am recently back from Zion National Park, or Zion, as listeners in Utah would rather me say. I'm basically just mentioning that to say I had a great time there with some cool people, including Scott Merrill from episode 10 of this podcast. It was officially his bachelor party because, yes, he is getting married in a month. It was an awesome trip, but I came back with an injured ankle, and so I'm out of commission for a few weeks, so I will be living vicariously through all of the rest of you. It's enough boohooing about me. Let's get to the point of the show. On today's show, we have Jordan Orbanovich and Evelyn Wilroy of Perception Travel. That is Perception in all caps and no ease. Perception Travel. What is Perception Travel? Well, that's a great question, and we take quite a lot of time beating around the bush trying to define that. Their official mission statement, as outlined on their website, is to create global positivity media. We will go much more in depth about what exactly that means while we detour through various other subjects, including philosophy, social media, advertising, work-life balance, fear, travel lifestyle, a lot of things. If you like when we get off topic in previous episodes, then you will love this episode because it takes us about 20 minutes to get on topic. But that being said, everything we discuss does end up being pertinent to the wider umbrella that is perception travel. So before we get to that discussion, I just want to make a few comments. A lot of people in my age group and older like to bag on the generation that for whatever reason is now being referred to as millennials. I try to avoid that because I remember experiencing the same thing and I'm sure it has existed throughout history where whatever generation that is currently in power thinks that the upcoming generation is missing all sorts of valuable life skills. Numerous times growing up, I was given advice that was accurate for my parents' generation and maybe even some of the previous generations, but completely inaccurate in regards to my own. So let's stop bagging on millennials. This episode, we're going to give a couple of them a chance to speak for themselves, and maybe you'll find out that they have a lot more to offer than maybe you've thought. So open your mind, sit back, head on over to Toesley Canyon Park in Santa Clarita, with me, Jordan, and Evelyn, as we slowly, slowly, slowly try to define perception travel. Yeah, so my new thing this year is to surrender to the goddess. So it's always what the woman wants. So do you want to go first or second? Damn, that's cool. Um, that's what I'm working wait, did, on. Does this make you the goddess? It, I yeah. Women it, it incarnate are the goddess. You know. Um, you go first. Okay. Yeah. So right. I feel like maybe we should have carried you over here then. Mm. If that's gonna be the case. <laughs> well, the goddess, not the princess. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> those are different reserved roles. I like I like that you've pointed out that there is indeed a difference. Yeah, I kind of realized, like, you're never right when dealing with a woman. The women always knows best. And in the end, they all are, they normally are right. And they're a lot more humble in recognizing that, okay, I was a little too rash with that. You're right. Like, we should have gone about it a different way. Compared to men. Men are a little more, like, they've got a little more... Ego? I don't want to say ego, 
because it's beyond that, but I think some kind of biological hardwiring that's like, no, this is how it needs to be done. And so in order to kind of come come above that ego, it's kind of enlightening. And I think that happens in the interactions with the females. So this is what's been on my mind the last the last <laughs> month. <laughs> my name's Jordan, and uh, this is what I think about. <laughs> now you know a little bit more about Jordan. Yeah, so uh, I don't know what you're looking for. What sort of deep philosophical stuff do you have to say for us in your introduction? I don't, Drink I don't know. Drink Bruce Tea. It'll come. <laughs> I know. Plug Bruce Tea. I don't know. I think if I get really general with it, where I am at this point in my life is really simple but really difficult sometimes is just trying to do whatever makes me happy day to day that's kind of like my thing in the past year because it's so easy to do things because you think you're supposed to or because you feel obligated or because everyone else is doing it so you don't really do what actually makes you happy and I think that I have really realized what makes me happy in the past year and I try as best as I can to look at every aspect of my life and make sure that I'm happy with each part. And your name is Evelyn. And my name is Evelyn. That was beautiful. I wish I would have Snapchatted <laughs> that. See, so that we have great. two deep philosophical points already. We're three minutes into this. Half of it was just me saying nothing and checking levels at the beginning, and you've already both passed on deep philosophical knowledge. For yeah, well, I would be more impressed if we don't do any more. <laughs> <laughs> because I smoke a lot, way too much weed to not be philosophical in this life. Uh, no, sometimes I find that that's my role. Is like there is the role of philosopher and ponderer, and they're necessary. They're crucial elements in society, especially in times of change. And I think everyone kind of floats in and out of their roles in society as a collective human species. And it's just about being you in every moment and being happy and doing what makes you happy. So it just so happens I do have moments where like it makes me happy to just talk about whatever <laughs> the fuck's been going on in my yeah. head. Can we curse? Oh, you can do say whatever you okay. want to say. Cool. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want you to stop and be like... Yeah. Do I say poopy pants now instead? <laughs> like, I, I want people to just say what they want what they want to say. A side note, which really has nothing to do with this show, but you mentioned philosophers, and I just want to share my stupid little theory. So we used to have philosophers that traveled around, right, with within different city areas, say Greek times or or whatever. Um, people like Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, and they would try to share knowledge and discuss theories with with other philosophers and speak to the general public about philosophical and ideas. followings. And what I think we've replaced that with is comedians. I think stand-up comedians are the modern equivalent, for better or worse, of ancient philosophers. They're the people who allow us to discuss the topics and think about the topics that we're afraid to bring up when we're talking to other people in the community. Hmm. So just a little something. So you both got to you both got to throw out your thing. Yeah. Not yeah. Up hey, quiet down, host. <laughs> <laughs> what is that over there? <laughs> yeah, well they have that space. And the way comedy is developed in our society is that there's a distance between the audience and the performance. So the audience doesn't have to take it all personally. Now, a lot of people still do, but that's their own issue. But how comedy is actually set up as an institution is you are distanced from the act itself. That's mm -hmm. why there's a lot of new comedy sprouting up where you don't know you're in the performance. My case in point is the Monkey Brothers. They go around and bring the comedy to you while you're doing your everyday thing. And then your reaction, whether you're uncomfortable by it or straight up you enjoy it, that's a they become a reflection of you and how you're processing this like entertainment 
perceived mm. entertainment that's like happening right in front of your face in your everyday life not when you're buying a ticket to go into a comedy show it's like social reaction as entertainment yeah to a certain degree yeah and as a way not necessarily education but a way to stimulate curiosity and just thinking because mm-hmm. a lot of people go about their daily life with a lot of stagnance just routine and they don't nothing ever takes them out of it and we don't really have to react to people face to face as we used to, like that's all we did before now we can hide behind like our phones or our computers or whatever and react that way it's almost like shocking when like a stranger comes up to you and starts like interacting with you if like you don't expect it and I think that that's what it captures is like your reaction to that if you watch a YouTube video or if you watch anything online and you have like this sort of reaction to it like you're to yourself but then it kind of challenges you to react outwardly and it kind of catches you off guard are they still like roaming around I've never I've never seen the monkey brothers or Monkey They're buttons. still around doing their thing. They might pop up here at any moment. Who knows? Yeah, I invited them. They should be. Here. Did you really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to throw funny. a little seed in the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> that would have been funny. You guys got to show up. Well, now I can send the many low hundreds of listeners to, to this show to the Monkey Brothers. Send them to Perception <laughs> Travel instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't have a website or social media because oh, they, they don't believe in that. I'm like, how are you huh. guys going to share yourselves if you don't get out there? And so along with that, like talking to other people, I'm lately getting into Snapchat a lot. Not only as a way for me to just express myself, like with things going on and share funny things happening in my forever flowing life of no responsibility to anyone but myself, but I can start just meeting random people. And then random people will start like responding to what I post. And it's all stuff that makes me happy to post because it's part of my life. And then random people, it'll resonate with them. It'll kind of mm-hmm. vibrate and then they'll talk to me. And I just start making random friends. Mm-hmm. And they're all from different places, different demographics, like different everything. High schoolers. And it's just a weird world we're coming into where everyone's just starting to connect via your life experience. So how does Snapchat differ from Instagram or Twitter or anything like that? What does that give you that the other... Well, when I speak of Snapchat, I mainly mean by posting a story. It's It's live and public for 24 hours and then it disappears. And now I can still save it. And as I do it, I still save it and I'm going to put it on YouTube later. But as someone's watching it, they can just swipe up and respond to something that happened in your day. And so then those messages, they disappear to each other. When you were private messaging, they disappear right after. Or you can save them, but they mainly disappear. That's the whole point of it, is that you can constantly just be present with the conversations, everything that's happening. There's not like an iMessage backup where you can just check something that was said way back when. So it leaves this, this like very pure experience of being right here, right now on the internet and in human to human connection. Yeah, I think the other ones, especially Instagram, I'm big on Instagram, but it's very curated. You're big on Instagram? Is that like me not, saying I'm, I'm not big, big on Instagram? I'm big, in, I'm big into Instagram. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. Um, but speak I, about that, the curation. I mean, a lot of people who take it as seriously as I do, like there's a certain look, like I want my photos to look a certain way and like lay next to each other a certain way, like look a certain way aesthetically. So, but Snapchat's just live. And that's actually, Snapchat's actually like the most popular, you know, social media platform right now, especially for young people, because they like that behind the scenes sort of live feeling of it, especially with celebrities or like DJ Khaled. There's no presentation required. There, yeah. Like Instagram. It's because Instagram's just, thereafter. So it's yeah. good to put the presentation into it because it lasts. And that kind of yeah. continues on the paradigm of modern society and like 
physicality, belongings, this and that, something that's real and tangible. But as we tr- as we like evolve into digital, we're making these like memories or these ideas just become live, and then they disappear. It's like a Twitter feed, you yeah. know. You don't like scroll down like, what did I miss three days ago? No, you're looking so, at what's right now. So it's almost a difference between a live conversation and a recorded conversation. It's so Instagrams live. are recorded, mm-hmm. documented thing, and then Snapchat is yeah. an in the moment. I wouldn't even compare the two really. I would compare YouTube videos to Snapchat because mm-hmm. a lot of people you know like vlogs cap- vlogs yeah. like they capture footage they edit it they throw music with it whatever and then snapchat's just live <laughs> there's no real preparation unless you want to like add some text to it or whatever filter <laughs> yeah but it's it's live you know it's the youtube i think that's a huge difference because i think people are really into youtube vlogs or vloggers, whatever. What makes a vlog successful is when you're able to connect with that character. Like, people become invested in that character. Like, I know personally fashion vlogs. The people who are able to really inject their personal story into it, those are the ones that become popular because people feel like they're creating this connection with this random stranger that shares their life every week. I see what you're saying because... So in the past, right, we had television and we had movies and... Basically, a personality was crafted and then sold to the public. Now, with YouTube and Snapchat and Instagram and Twitter, people are becoming, for lack of a better word, celebrities based on what is possibly their real personality or a crafted personality. It's crafted in real time. (laughs) Like, I craft myself and I don't even realize it, but it's great. You know, and it's just a matter of like, oh, people are enjoying this aspect of me. Okay, cool. I enjoy people enjoying more than I enjoy trying to figure something out. So I'll just keep going with that, you know? And like, it's it's beautiful because in a way you do become a celebrity based on you, what makes you happy. And it's all like this real-time act. And so it kind of goes like with the Monkey Brothers, like Snapchat. <laughs> Monkey Brothers owe me $10. Yeah, for, right. Here we go, point. right? Yeah, the people, with, the the people with no online presence that we keep blasting. <laughs> Follow them at 08. Oh, wait, you nothing. can't. We, oh, we've only, we've only, only once has Perception Travel yeah. been mentioned. And this is your own podcast. But the yeah. Monkey Brothers have come up multiple times. And yeah. they find you, you know? Yeah. But anyway, the Snapchat thing, it kind of turns like... Like YouTube, okay, there's an option for you to comment and be a part of it. But if the person that's making the vlog has hundreds of thousands of subscribers, the chances of them responding to you maybe are slimmer than if you have like 3,000 subscribers on YouTube like me. Mm-hmm. And I get two comments a video, I respond to everyone because mm-hmm. it's fun, right? Mm-hmm. So, But it's still not real time because I don't check my YouTube every day to see the people's comments. With Snapchat, it's real time because I'm doing it real time. People are responding and fe- giving me feedback in real time and then I'm responding back mm-hmm. either in private or in public or both. So it's actually turning that passive entertainment of YouTube into something much more active. And I feel that that's what's exciting about Snapchat because even when you're watching someone's story, you can click through it. You can fast forward in maximum 10 second increments based on what the person's posting and what you're finding pleasant to consume or not. So we've talked a lot about the Monkey Brothers and Snapchat and social media. That's all I talk about. I don't know if everyone told you. (laughs) (laughs) Who the hell are you guys? What, tell us what perception travel is. I guess I should start with that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can try. Okay. Yeah. No, no, yeah, really. let's see. Let's, I let's... went to your website before the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> my, my amount of 
research leading up to the podcast was uh, minimal. <laughs> What's your perception of perception travel? I, actually, I'm not sure. I, yeah, I'd it's like better to have you tell me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, okay. I'm with that. From, from yeah. what I've gathered, it is a collection of stories from various people throughout the world and their personal experiences. I'm not sure what the common thread is. Well, I have an idea. This is actually a good what segue. What do you think it is? So <laughs> let's, let's segue from social media because actually that's relevant. So I'm going to play a segue sound effect right now. Yeah. My background is in marketing and I got my master's in marketing. And one of the main things that we talk about is now like the digital age. So we talked a lot about social media and how that plays into brand marketing. So I would consider my, I wouldn't consider myself an expert, but I would say that I am really into social media and I try to be coming out of college. It was for a job. I was looking at social media marketing jobs and I would have to say that one of the main things, actually, maybe not one of the main things, but part of it was that made me want to quit my job and travel and then start this whole new chapter, get into perception travel, all that. I feel like I was someone that was getting caught up in in the nine to five, in social media. Like social media, I was doing it for my job and I started really hating it. I feel like... There's a really beautiful side of social media where it allows you to connect to people and like Jordan was saying, you know, make connections with strangers. But there's also a really ugly side, especially when it comes to how it's used by brands and like celebrities and stuff. I mean, there's just this fake image most of the time that's out there. And one of our main things was like creating deals between brands and celebrities and social media was a huge tool to like put it out there and these celebrities are being paid for like per tweet or per post or whatever and it just felt like this really almost like dark not dark but sometimes kind of business to where you're taking advantage of this really powerful tool being social media and kind of selling products or whatever to a lot of times young people that are really impressed in Impress, impressionable. Impressionable. Yes, thank you. I think that social media was a good thing. In some ways, it's a really good thing, but some ways, it's a really kind of scary thing. I think that we're more like it's bringing out this narcissistic aspect of our youth. You know, like all we care about is selfies, and and we're really like self-involved. We want more followers and this and that. And I wouldn't say that about you. Jordan like I think that the ways that you utilize social media is really awesome and it really connects people and I think that's what we were able to do with perception travel one of the main things we did was like share technology with people and that was really amazing but we I really did do that we really you know, did it wasn't even like a super conscious effort yeah we said we wanted to but it ended up happening now na- happening naturally yeah so that's- Sorry, just like one memory I have because we have really good footage of it. Yeah. Is you just taking selfies with those boys. Yeah. They never had a picture taken of them, let alone one they can see it. And then she can take like hundreds at a time. And like, it was so much fun to them because yeah. they'd never seen themselves on a screen. Sorry, go on. I, I think too, just to throw something in there really quickly, a lot of the dangers of social media are, are the same issues that you run into with any new technology or any new social order. When they're first introduced... They get exploited. People are trying to figure out how they should exist. The worst parts come out. And then, and then everything finds a, a, a medium, a, a nice middle point. Uh, once the novelty wears off, people kind of 
find a way to integrate it into their life if it's going to remain in a way that's less dangerous or, or less disgusting or sleazy or hopefully hopefully that's what happens yeah and I think that's important too because you get you hear that a lot I think probably from older generations like how horrible social media is or right. what like it's doing to everyone how horrible movies were exactly and, video games and that's the thing and I want to emphasize is like it is doing like beautiful things it is connecting people it is making people's lives richer and better it it's I mean it's technology there's good and bad to any anything involving technology to go back to like my previous comments on what my job was before I would say that you know as a marketer you know when you're trying to connect a brand with a celebrity or whatever that whole world you know there are genuine situations where there's a celebrity that's really into this brand and they work together and they sell this brand and I'm not saying that's a bad thing but there are definitely times where it's like you know someone is paid a like ungodly amount of money to put this product out there and then there's just these young people that are just eating it all up and I mean it, it really all depends but that was kind of just my perception at the time I was kind of just questioning everything and it can be the modern day version of the cigarette advertisement yeah I feel like the cigarette advertisement is just all bad there's nothing good about it so I don't I hate to like well the the, the concept of advertising yes was not bad but the right. use of advertising to sell cigarettes to possibly children yes was bad. so I want to throw I want to come in now though into social media and advertising because now I think advertising is great because of social media like even Google isn't necessarily social media so to speak but it knows everything about you in a lot of ways Facebook knows a lot about you based on how you as a user use its services and the advertisements are so relevant to me to the point where it doesn't bother me anymore mm -hmm. to see advertisements because actually 50% of the time I'm curious to learn more and I really do click it and I'm like wow that sponsored post on Facebook that they that was well invested yeah and so it's not like a billboard for some arbitrary product or service that I'm never going to use is just annoying. Or it's not like the old days of the web where there's a banner ad on the website based on the content of the website. Instead, advertisements are geared towards who you are as an individual, which exposes the world to you. You wouldn't know about anything if it weren't for advertisements. Right. That's what we take for granted, actually, right. about this weird capitalist society that's evolved. There have been definitely targeted posts to me, like on Instagram, I would say, specifically, where I have been like, yeah, I totally, and I totally <laughs> I want to click this, and <laughs> yeah. I click it, and I yeah. buy it, like, I, admittedly, but yeah. I think my main problem with it is, and what eventually led me to realize that I wasn't in the place I need to be, as far as what my job was, is what scares me is the celebrity aspect. Like, when you're talking about a Kim Kardashian putting a prescription drug social media post out there that's really? just because that happened literally oh. that's what happened man i'm gonna have to get that prescription drug yeah kim kardashian i mean i don't know if it, i don't remember exactly Sign me up, dog. i don't remember exactly what it was but it, i read an article about how like there are all these side effects and like dangerous aspects to this drug that well, they don't have enough characters in the 140 or whatever twitter characters to let you know those side effects it's not their fault i know right so speaking um, of social media, but, how about that dude who, who raised the pharmaceutical prices on that <laughs> drug? I think it's awesome that he's such an asshole about it because it just shows, like, why don't you pass laws to prevent that? He's allowed to do that in our system. Why are you taking out on him? Change the laws. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? Change the laws. <laughs> Fix the system. It's flawed. Because the system being fixed is going to solve 
that. Make healthcare social. I think you two should, should wrestle right now. Should, should what? No, I way. think that dude's a douche. <laughs> he's a total douche. Like, don't blame it on him. Like, no, but he's allowed to do that. That's what's gross. But the thing <laughs> is, like, if you want certain liberties, which we all should have, there's gonna be room for people to manipulate and take advantage of it but it's like at the end of the day like you're an asshole and you're a douche like I think that people should be allowed to have certain liberties and I don't think there should be all these laws restricting us so that people can't do any bad I'm not saying he's escaping his karmic like what he has coming to him karmically (laughs) but think about it if if our healthcare system was closer to Europe's, that wouldn't even be allowed. That never would have happened to begin with. Yeah. Well, I definitely agree. Okay, I'm not disagreeing that there are flaws, but I'm just saying, like, I don't know. I, it, it's hard. It's like, it's like gun control, right? Okay. Not it's to like get into Donald. Like a whole it's like Donald thing. Trump running for president. It's very just <laughs> symbolic of how everything is just like needs to be dissolved and rebuilt based off this new generation of us existing constantly connected to each other and being aware of each other's struggle which is where perception travel comes in too yeah we should talk about perception travel it's so boring. <laughs> I know sorry that one <laughs> little segue I had kind of just like I'm still riding that segue to perception travel I'm still waiting for one of you to divine to define Define perception perception travel travel. well we almost just got there but it's documenting (laughs) we ended up up at Donald Trump instead and gun control (laughs) it's documenting the smiles not the fear so there's enough media out there there's enough news that's just showing you the terror in the world perception travel one day has the intention of just being some kind of mainstream equivalent source where you tune in and you just get to meet someone cool somewhere in the world and see what they're up to and they make you smile because even if they're an asshole I bet there's something about them that is relatable to other human beings so how do people access perception travel they go to the website they subscribe to the YouTube channel one day they will watch it on local access television like mm-hmm. SCV TV <laughs> um, there's a bunch of things in the works but you know what to be honest it hasn't really launched it's like got tons of content tons of stuff there but no it hasn't really launched because there's been no budget so recently we incorporated it as a nonprofit and because a lot of the media we're creating is based off of communal activities that we're stimulating and starting so, for example, in Jamaica, I just went and taught music and started a music program at a rural elementary school. Made a bunch of media during that, did a fundraiser to donate my accordion, and now writing out grant proposals to go back there, plant a garden at the school, teach the kids how to use YouTube and Instagram, donate computers, so the music that they're learning how to write and sing, they can share with the world for feedback. And so these little rural pastoral this little village can be a part of the world. So we recorded a CD there. I recorded a CD with the kids. It's pretty ghetto, like with this Zoom. But we got their voices on there with some songs we wrote. And then I went on Reddit and I asked beat producers if anyone wanted to make some remixes. So we have like three or four remixes of these songs these Jamaicans wrote from a guy in Berlin, a guy on the East Coast, some dubstep producer. Do you have all those right now? I don't have them on me. They're well, on not at this moment, but you, you have received those remixes? I have received one of them. The other ones are being worked on. I think it would be awesome right now to cut to, to, to it. Sure. some of that music sure. and then come back to the conversation. Yeah, do it.
It's really cool because the one I do have, it's this really dark, industrial, minimal Berlin track. Like, I don't know if you're too familiar with electronic music, but Berlin minimal house is just like long and slow in its buildup and really just dark. And so then there's all the Jamaican kids over it. It's great. It's so <laughs> cool because it's literally bringing this world together. So then we'll release a seven-day media campaign with that to blow up, like say, hey, we have the CD, your, your, the proceeds go towards the program, this and that. So projects like bringing different aspects of the world together for a common cause. So when we were traveling, we sold a bunch of Nepali goods from this community in order to finance our next project, but meanwhile bringing business into that local community. So you do these community projects and then you videotape them and you share small documentaries essentially about these projects? Web media full documentaries. I have a whole movie going on about the earthquake and the singing bowls and then we have a TV show that's starting and then there's web media. So it's all over the place and it's still defining itself. But what I noticed, and this is why we we started a non-profit, is because a lot of the media I was creating to get people excited was based on projects I was creating. So I was like, why don't we just get funny to do these projects because these projects are what gets everyone excited. So let's rewind back to before Perception Travel existed. How did it come about and how did you two come together? She can take this one away. Okay. All right, goddess. Okay, yes. <laughs> Let the goddess answer this one. <laughs> Here goes the bear. That's the Costco bear. A gigantic teddy bear is leaving the I've park. I've seen a lot of photos taken of that bear. Oh, we should we should include links to that. We'll include links to this teddy bear, to, bear. to the monkey brothers. Available at Costco. Anything but Perception Travel. <laughs> and then Donald Trump's website. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so back That's to Perception great. Travel and its roots and okay. its and its origin story. So we are in Santa Clarita. This is our hometown, Jordan and my hometown. And we, it's where we are right now. It's where we are right now. How's the Canyon Park? Check it out on Google Maps. <laughs> <laughs> if they if we're lucky and they get the photos today, maybe they can zoom down into this area and see us sitting at this table. Those birds are really capturing images for Google satellites. <laughs> They're actually drones. They're actually drones. <laughs> um, okay, so we Yikes. went to high school together. At Saugus High School, we met freshman year. We were in the same biology class. We were lab partners. Did you dissect a frog together at any point? No, we caught butterflies. We caught butterflies. We caught bugs. That is way less destructive. Yeah. No, but then we had to pin them onto boards. Yeah. (laughs) We got this beautiful monarch butterfly, and we had to put it to a board. I was like, what? Yeah. All right, so maybe maybe it's more destructive, because the frog was already dead when it got to you. You didn't have to commit the, the yeah, murder It was still yourself. probably killed in the name of education. Yeah. I don't think we ever dissected a frog, though. I, I dissected a cat senior year. Anyways, I don't know if we were in the same class. Anyways, yeah, we had a few classes together throughout high school, I think. And then after high school, we kind of just stayed in touch. Like, he went to college in Long Beach, and I was in San Diego. And then he was like, Mr. World Traveler would be all over. And I was kind of always just either in San Diego or L.A., and we would just keep in touch, and then whenever we were back in good old SCV, we'd, like, get back together, catch up, whatever. And so, fast forward, we graduated high school in 2006, and then 2000... Fast forward to a year and a half ago, so year what year is it now? So, 2013, around summer, um, I had just finished a fundraiser to go to Nepal well, with a camera on my forehead. That was the name of the fundraiser. 
and also the name of the film. Which I see you've taken off your head. Yes, because it gets annoying. Um, But basically, I had started a YouTube channel because I'd just been floating around for all my early 20s. And like, it was great. I love traveling. It's kind of who I am and meeting people. But I needed to have a project, something besides just like writing that kept me accountable to myself because I like to do things. I like to be active. I like to be share things. So I, I got a GoPro and I started a YouTube channel just about my life. And so at this point, it was splitting off into one about my life, which is still the GoPro, and then Perception Travel, which is about people, because at first they were just both. So at this time, I had done the fundraiser, and I was, we're going to go to Nepal to work on this film about the singing bulls, and then her and a buddy of mine that I was jam with were going to have drinks, and so I went with them, and after a few shots of Patron, dude, I wish I could go to Nepal with you and just quit my job, and hey, we just do it, and I'm like, I dude, I need the... social media before the Patron. Yeah. That was before the It was the after Patron. a couple drinks, though. It was after a couple... Margaritas. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, the point is, is that with or without the alcohol, that was the sentiment. And like, I was like, fuck yeah, I need social media because I, you know, there's a lot going on. I want to make a film, there's a website, there's this, there's that, there's this and that. So we worked it out and everything kind of magically flowed together from what I remember. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up raising a bunch more money to buy a DSLR and like really like get it going. And then we left and it was kind of like we didn't know at all what was going to happen. I hadn't been to a tropical island yet that year, so we stopped in Bali (laughs) for a month because that's just what I do. (laughs) And Bali was almost even more impactful in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways than Nepal was. It was really good we started there. It was really good because even what started there is still going on now Mm -hmm. with a lot of the people we met there and the projects, which was permaculture based. But really quickly to rewind, so Jordan, he had been kind of building perception travel like before we even left but leading up to that I like went to college then I went to um get my master's degree got my master's degree and then after that I got a job I was kind of just doing everything the way that I'm supposed to like especially to my parents standards doing everything the way I was supposed to I was really happy at first I think I was just really excited that I got a job I'm like okay cool I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be Got the degree, got the master's degree, got a job. I have my apartment in the city. Like, yes, like this is adult. I'm totally adulting. This is awesome. And then I kind of realized that I I didn't actually realize until a little bit later how kind of unhappy I was. I was sitting in, you know, L.A. traffic, which was making me miserable and angry. And then I was going to work and I was working well over eight hours I mean no one really told me to like you have to work more than eight hours that's just kind of like what I did I kind of just poured myself into it and I would stay late if I needed to work through lunch if I needed to all just to like do my job really well I wasn't getting paid very well my apartment was like a little shithole and it was taking up over half my paycheck I was eating McDonald's every day because I couldn't afford anything else and my parents always help me and always support me. Do you remember that article you sent me about the woman realizing that she was working just to live in New York and she was like why am I what am I doing? That that, that I read that article later and I was like holy shit that was me you know I was literally just this cycle of working so that you can make the money to support the lifestyle that allows you to work to make yeah. the money like, to support the and lifestyle. And then I never had time to do anything else. I lived in LA and people were like, oh, um, like what's cool to do here in this area, whatever. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I don't even really know, like still, because I didn't really do much aside from work. All I did was work. 
and then it affected my relationships like it affected my relationship with my boyfriend we were always fighting I was always angry I was never seeing my family because I was just busy it just wasn't happy I wasn't happy you know and then I guess when I went to get my master's it was a study abroad program and that was probably like the happiest I could remember I was like I was so happy like traveling around Europe I was so happy living abroad whenever I feel like whenever Jordan would come home and we'd get together I'd be like god I want to go away like that because that's what I associated with happiness was when I was traveling like probably anybody and so when we finally sat down together and he was like yeah I'm going to Nepal soon I'm like I want to go like I really want to go and this was before any drinks okay right when I got there I was like god I want to go and I already knew that's he was, true she did say that I before. said I want to go but then obviously you know a few shots of Patron I'm like oh, I want to go there's a lot more passion like, yeah. like, yes. so then I kind of just decided and I, I'm usually someone that has to put a lot of thought into everything like really analyze everything on all fronts and I was just like no I'm going I know that I'm going it was just a matter of like telling everyone like hey job hey parents hey boyfriend did you quit the job or did you just take leave um no I quit yeah I feel like I totally villainized it in the beginning like when we were began our conversation honestly it was it wasn't a bad job it just wasn't for me it was actually a cool job I got to like bring my dog to the office and it was actually pretty chill it was in South Bay and I went to the beach on my lunch breaks like it wasn't a horrible job it just I just wasn't happy I was gonna say I think people forget sometimes that for a fulfilling life, we shouldn't just look for good jobs. We should look for fulfilling jobs. Yes, and so exactly. It could be a good job for a different person. Right. Well, and then we're like the state of life itself, either as human or nature, whatever, it's constantly evolving. Meaning, what's a good job for you today it may not be next week. And just acknowledge that. It's cool. Because, yeah. like, jobs need to be done or else civilization would not exist as it is. I was marveling at the fact the other day that, like, there are, like, billions of people on the planet. And it's pretty organized. Not everywhere. And, like, shit's still going down. But, like, you just look at North America, right? Like, wow, we really organized the fuck out of these human beings. And, like, things are flowing. And, yeah, there's a lot of bullshit. But, like, I can walk down the street and not worry about getting stabbed. You know? I can, like, conduct business or, like... I can explore new avenues of creativity every day using technology and be able to like essentially make a living out of it. You can rely on that technology to function because you have electricity and other things that that you don't have to think about every day. And there has to be someone at at the job regulating the electricity, right? And maybe that job isn't for that person, but like someone needs to do that job, you know? And whether you're learning through it or you're eventually finding yourself going crazy, you need to just be in tune with yourself at a certain point and be like, all right, is this serving me still? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you were going through was kind of this dissonance. And I get it all the time. Like all, like everyone I encounter, everyone's in a very similar boat Mm -hmm. where, yeah, like, okay, I'm doing this thing because I grew up thinking this was what I had to do. And then everyone realizes in this generation that we're coming in to, you know, to be the masses, our generation realizing, no, we'd rather be happy. We'd rather do our own thing. It requires a certain amount of empowerment and encouragement and has to make sense. But, you know, to keep the details lacking, like, I've lost a lot of friendships over showing people that, yeah, you need to leave the relationship you have with your job, with your partner, with this, with that behind, because it's not serving you. But we're too scared. A lot of times we're too scared. And just because I brought that out into the open with some people, they've, they've fled from me. You know, and so that's really intense because the fear runs deep, you know, like what was stopping? What was even making you like hesitate? 
money. Yeah. It what makes everyone hesitate. I, I think every <laughs> moment in life is managing fear. I think that's all we're doing all the time. And it's not letting that fear overpower your better judgment. But why manage fear? Why exist with it to begin with? It's a matter of your perception of it. Like combating fear? Like what do you mean by managing fear? I just mean we're fearful of things that might kill us. We're fearful of our social structure falling apart. We're fearful that some, something might happen to our children. Or but why are we fearful? Because we evolved from creatures who were predatory and were preyed upon. At least that's my, that's my thought. It, le- it goes back instinctual to a need for survival. We've evolved as a society past those basic instincts. We still have that innate fear. And to a certain degree, fear keeps us from hurting ourselves and harming ourselves, right? So when I say managing it, I mean managing it by recognizing what is a valuable fear, what's a useful fear, and what is an exaggerated fear. I agree with that to a certain extent. I think that we've almost developed fears that aren't really fears or oh, that absolutely. aren't fear, right? Hyper, absolutely. Like yeah. I, and, and it's, a, it's the whole reason why, like you said, like why I stayed at my job and why I stayed in all the situations that I was in, you know, like I didn't want my parents to be upset with me. They were totally upset with me when I told them I was leaving. They, my mom tells me now that she was like so upset the entire time I was gone and that she was so worried worried she was scared she was so scared that I was gonna get hurt or that something was gonna happen to me and I was scared to upset my parents like if I don't you know I need to have this job I need to have this apartment so that I can get to this or be close to this job and you know all those things so I was I was just I didn't want to upset my parents I didn't want to upset anybody it was like a comfortable place the cultural comfort zone game is strong yeah yeah (laughs) yeah no i want to touch on something real quick before it moves forward like kind of from a spiritual perspective of the fear i think and you hit the nail on the head when you said we've changed as a society meaning biologically we're pretty programmed or hardwired however you want to look at it to have this fear because we need to but the fact is in society these days there's a lot of fears we don't need to have Like, we don't even eat know where the food we eat comes from half the time. So it's like, we don't have that fear, even though that could disappear anytime. We're just disconnected from a lot of the fears we actually should have. Right. I absolutely agree with that. And, but I think, and as I stated earlier, everything's always in a constant state of evolution. And I'm of the belief that as we're approaching this, I mean, they call it a singularity, whatever you want to call it, but it's obvious with everything is so active now. Everything is moving forward all the time. And we were thinking about government, like how slow it takes to change laws and like bureaucracy and like everything moves so much faster than that. And we see it. It's just going to keep going, keep going to this state of constant novelty. So Terrence McKenna had this theory of time wave zero, which is where forever everything was routine. And if you look at the thousands of years of humanity preceding this era, things were pretty stationary all the time. And then there'd be a big emperor come and there'd be wars and then it would disappear. And then like slowly that wave, the frequency would get quicker and quicker. And so the theory behind that is that now we're approaching this like all the time. We have the routine of everyday life is disappearing. And a lot of that is is symbolized in our technology. But basically... That stagnance that can kind of develop in the human or society is slowly just constantly being hammered on by novel things happening all the time. Does this make sense? So it no, it, it does. Novelty, it does. Yeah. which is evolution. And so the fear is that we're evolving 
Like everything is evolving. Why do we live with fear anymore? Why do we even bother? There's nothing to fear. Death happens. There's no reason to fear it. We can rationalize death now. Cavemen couldn't maybe, and like even maybe not even know what death was in certain elements of our, certain aspects of our history. So I digress, but I don't think we need to live with fear anymore. And I think that's, I think that's a product of being this next generation of human beings. There's no reason to live in fear. Be yourself. And everything always works out when you be yourself. When you just follow your heart. Everything always works out. And you're always happier. But we're so blocked off from being ourselves because of our cultural comfort zone. And that's what brought you to perception travel. Yeah. Is deciding to embrace it. Yeah, I think another really important thing is the mindset amongst Americans in traveling in general. Like Americans are really scared to travel. I think traveling I probably meet the least amount of Americans. I feel like everyone we are else very insular. Yeah. I would come home and tell some people like, Oh yeah, I was in India or whatever and people were like, Were you alone? Like, oh my God, India, like dang, you like But then props. you're in India. You're but like, then you're there yeah. and you're like, This is amazing. <laughs> so I think that for me personally too because before we traveled to India and Nepal and and Asia I had been in Europe and it's another you know what like other western countries so it's not the same I don't think and the perception's not the same you know people are like oh I'm gonna travel I'm gonna go to France you know or I'm gonna go to Germany or whatever but people are like oh when you go to Asia like that's a different like or South America or whatever it's different but for me personally, going, I was like, I'm totally fine. I could be totally fine. I'm not, I'm not scared. Like, I don't have that fear where something's going to happen to me if I'm by myself, you know? I notice every time I come back to Southern California, the states in general, but especially here, this big fear bubble, like, consumes me. And it wants to dictate who I am. And I have to stay strong and be like, no, 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 no. I'm still me, and I can still do whatever I want. Like, I just came back from Hawaii, and I fell in love because that fear bubble doesn't exist because it's this tropical island, but it's still America, so I can legally live there, and, like, that's awesome. But in the States, we have something, and it literally is like some energetic cloud above us where we fear, and we question our own capacity. We question it. And so I used to be all anti-America for that reason, like, we have this fear. Then I realized everyone's got it. Mm -hmm. It's a product of, yes, like you said, biologically, and also like kind of like the trick culture plays on our own biology like cultural culture is how you can how you perceive reality your language how you are trained to look at things also our news often focuses on the dangers and war of the and, world and the other things that are terrible that are happening in the world those are the things we tend to hear about. I think the average American has an, ac an inaccurate idea of how dangerous the rest of the world is, as if we are protected inside the borders of the United States and the rest of the world is just a dangerous mess. This is where perception travel comes exactly. in. Check it out. We show you why the world is awesome. Yeah. And it's not a dangerous mess. Quite the contrary. Yeah. America's the dangerous motherfucking mess. Look at all the people getting <laughs> shot up. Fucking everyone on drugs, man. I get more scared for here for a reason. <laughs> like, because the fear is here. And it consumes some people. And bad things happen. But there's also a lot of fear in the, the countries of origin of a lot of what we call the terrorism. There is stuff going on. It's not like that mainstream media is wrong, so to speak. It's just the way it's presented. It's not getting, you just don't get a full picture of a lot of things. The aesthetics are meant to encapsulate the viewer in fear. 
So I this was this is where technology is beautiful though. Like as soon as we like get away from the screen where we start to be more involved in what we consume, the media, uh, Monkey Brothers, like as the, <laughs> no, as the interface disappears and it's about experience, no one's going to want to watch fear. And this is again where perception travel comes in. When everyone's like watching the news and virtual reality based off something projecting a hologram in front of your eyes and you're there, no one's going to want to be at war in Syria. No one's going to want to be with all the immigrants, like the, the refugees being sad. Where the dollar is going to go is in something that's making them feel good. Because right now, fear sells because there's a, di- there's a disconnect between you and the experience with the TV screen, with the screen. But as technology evolves, no one's going to want fear. And that's going to play a huge role in our next stage as humans. And that's, once again, this is the roots of perception travel. It's looking to just be an, an example of this. I'm not saying perception travel is going to become this, but I'm saying is like this is what we promote is get away from that fear mindset get away from it because it dig it 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 changes who you are you will live in more fear when you consume more fear so what are some of the experiences you two had while building perception travel and traveling to these different areas and documenting these things to do with fear no especially. just in general i deal with a lot of fear all the time like and a lot of it's always in my head that's like my issue. My thing in this life is dealing with fear in my head. I always make it up because I have an imagination and I like to think. Most recently in Jamaica, where it's statistically a high like murder rate, this and that. And the day I get there, the woman that's supposed to pick me up from the bus station got cut up by a crazy person in the parking lot while I was on the bus there. Like immediately in my head, I'm scared. For the next few weeks, I just have to focus on like the moment. Like, am I safe right now? That's all that matters. And so being in that culture taught me like you don't have to worry about like conspiracy and like people conspiring against you because what's really going on is right here, right now. Thinking about like, uh oh, someone's gonna break in the window. Like if that happens, let me deal with it intuitively when that happens. There's no use just sitting around fearing it. And I experienced very similar in India, except it was more of a social fear. Because we were so out of place in that apartment, the four of us white people, like Adam doing his thing and Lucas and me and Lucas have these beards and long hair. And there's you and like we're seen we're in the Muslim ghetto of Bangalore, India. And so like I had this like social fear. like I don't want to offend anyone by us being ourselves in this area where we don't really belong. And that was a total projection of my own insecurities because everyone was so happy to have us. You know, and so that was my own bullshit that I think I was probably the only one experiencing. Am I wrong? How uncomfortable did you feel? Right now I have silver hair or like purple blue hair. So I probably would have been like, whoa, I totally stand out now. But then I had my natural dark hair and I look like an Asian woman. You know, I looked more like an Asian woman with like my dark hair. I still stood out, though. You know, like I don't. I mean, I'm dressed in the clothes that I'm wearing or whatever. So I definitely felt, I don't think there was like a fear that I was going to actually, sometimes when we were in Bali, when we would motorcycle around and we would go into like the Muslim neighborhoods and I was wearing like my swimsuit, basically, then I was like, oh shit, I feel like I should cover up, whatever. But I didn't, I don't know if I felt like that as much in India, but I did notice that attention on you guys. Like when us four would go out, (laughs) like I... I was being overlooked. Like they were going, looking straight at these like white bearded dudes, you know? But do you think it was a curiosity or do you think, cause I think yeah. a lot of people would assume here is like, Oh, these people are going to target you cause you look differently so that they can rob you or so they can do. But do you think 
What you actually experience is that they were just curious because it was something oh, different. Just curious, yeah. And the thing is, is they stare, and it looks like it's a glare because they don't even know they're staring. And then all you got to do is one of these, and then you see the, the one of the head. I did wag. a smiley face. I shook his head. head wag. I did an Indian head wag. That's exactly <laughs> okay. what they are. You have to do the head wag. Yeah. And you do one of those, and immediately they'll just brighten up, and then you'll realize, like, wow, like what was I thinking that they were like upset with me? Look at that smile. That's so full of love. And I think that's what experience a lot of people have in India. But once again, we were in a place where there weren't any white people. Like our whole like stomping grounds, very few white people. And the only white people in that city are working in the tech industry. Bangalore is like the Silicon Valley of India. So Facebook's got headquarters there, Samsung, everyone. So all the white people there live in like white people projects. So they're like nice ass apartment complexes with their own swimming pools and basketball courts and restaurants where they never have to actually exist in India. They can just be in like this resort in the center of the city, go so to work. So it's like a tiny United States inside yeah. of India. Yeah, and then they can just go to work and not really even be a part of India. And so like I, I met Indians in those places that they don't even interact with the rest of India because they want to be more like they're in the developed world. And so then we were white people living in essentially a ghetto area. Like my room on the third floor, it literally sounded like we were outside in the traffic. I was Skyping my dad once. He's like, are you outside? I'm like, no, I'm in my room. He's like, your dog's barking. There's honking. <laughs> He's like, are, are, there, are there four walls or only three? So yeah. loud. So loud. And that just happens all the time. So all those vibrations going on, all that noise, like it gets to you. It makes you stressed out, especially when it's noise like that. It's not nature. It's like... It's city right, chaos. hustle and bustle. Yeah. Yet the Indians there, like, they live in peace in it. And so I would just try to aspire towards that. I'm like, if they can do it, I can do it. And I don't think I ever succeeded, but at least I tried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to change the topic a little bit because I think people listening are probably curious about this because you, Jordan, apparently travel nonstop. And then you've done, you quit a job to go to India. So I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, how do you afford to do these things? Because that's one of the one of the other reasons Americans don't travel as much is because they convince themselves it costs too much money. Yeah, which is such it. bullshit, people. It doesn't cost any money. It does, but it doesn't cost as much as people think because you don't need to go to hotels. You don't need to go to resorts. You can find work exchanges, work trades. See, like that's the thing, though, is when Americans think of travel, they think of like that vacation, week vacation right. where you're like up in a hotel and you're just like lounging around and it's like travel is work it's like not work but it's a lifestyle it's takes effort you know I mean Jordan was the one that was traveling for years and years and like he could tell you more about that but I would say just based on my experience and even our experience together traveling he was saying that was probably like a nicer experience than because we than rented what, hotel rooms or guest house rooms they're and really we cheap tourists. mind you like in nepal yeah. and india and stuff but jordan didn't travel like that before like but we still did couch surf with deep passion we so still couch surfed for a long we were time broke, we still stayed with a nepali family and it became our family totally whenever people ask me now like how how they yeah. should do it if they're trying to save money I don't even bring this up for the point of saving money, but couch surfing, that's where you're going to get the best experience. Oh, like so good. Deepesh, yeah. the guy that we stayed with, him and his family in Nepal, like that was the most incredible experience. I still keep yeah. in touch with Deepesh. <laughs> I want to go back and visit them. My little sister went to Nepal in November to do some earthquake rebuilding, and she stayed with them, and they even became more family than we did. <laughs> like, my So mom, you've now... 
someone you couch surfed with, you've passed your family members on. Yeah. See, that's interesting. And so my mom wants to fly him out. And like they talk on <laughs> Facebook, Deepesh and my mom. And she's like, oh, he's so adorable. We want to fly him out here, Give get him a job or something. So like it's how it goes because humans are naturally inherently communal like that. And I've, I've heard a lot of people extol the virtues of couch surfing. It is interesting because I think the initial reaction to hearing about something like couch surfing is like, oh, I don't want to inconvenience another person this way. I don't want to feel awkward because I'm in another person's house. I don't know if I can trust these people. But from the two of you and from other people, I've heard that the experience is quite yeah, different from that. Those are all personal issues. Like someone's not going to offer their house to you if they don't mean it. Like The other day someone asked me, oh, what do you suggest? I'm going to backpack. What do you suggest? Like, are there any sites where I can volunteer? This and that. And I recommended, I was like, I think you should definitely try to couch surf. I think it would be a really cool experience for you. When we did it, it was all on from Jordan's account. So it's couch surfing. Um, you create your own profile and there's a picture or you put a picture of yourself and you talk bio, about yourself. References. Um, and mine, I had one, but I didn't really build it. But then when we did the stuff in Nepal, that was from Jordan. And Jordan probably has, like, I haven't looked at your profile in a while. But it's probably, like, a ton of references. Like, I think there's 128. There you go. Okay. <laughs> oh, so, really? Is that how many references? Positive. 128. I was on it the other day. I was like, damn, son. Yeah. So he's, like, you know, all up on that. Mine is pretty bare. I started it when I was in um, living in Europe for school, but I never actually have used it myself. I would say when I was looking to use use it myself, when I we were splitting up in India and I was going to um, Mumbai and Delhi, I was looking for people to stay with. And um, I would just say to, especially if you're like a solo female traveler and you haven't done it before and you're a little nervous, look at people's profiles. Like if they don't have a picture and they're super, it seems sketchy, they have no references, like maybe don't choose that person, you know, but. I want to, I want to make a little plug real quick, uh, perceptiontravel.com. What we want to do also is promote these ideas through media, through video. So for example, like, couchsurfing is a really intimidating idea for someone that's never left their comfort zone. However, show, if I were to say, hey, you could go to Jamaica, you can stay with this Rasta guy I met, he's really cool, in the jungle. You'd be like, uh, what? <laughs> like, then you, I show you a video of him where you get to know him and see him smile. It's not, you'll be like, all right, I'll go. Or, hey, you can go to Nepal and volunteer at an orphanage in the middle of nowhere. Oh, some guy will pick you up from the airport. It's cool. You'll be like, uh, what? You know, show him a video of all of that and the person picking up at the airport. You'll be down to go do it. So I think that's an element that's been missing. And perception travel looks to connect the dots in that sense because there's plenty of opportunities worldwide, plenty of, plenty of organizations that need help, that need volunteer, that need Westerners looking to do something new with their life to go share the really good public education a lot of this country has to offer with kids in underdeveloped nations. So there's opportunities. It, like All the puzzle pieces fit. So the media, as, I, as my philosophy goes regarding this, is it's the missing key. It's the missing point. So you have Help Exchange, HelpX.net. You have Woofing. You have WorkAway. You have Couchsurfing. And there's all these ways to either travel very cheaply or travel as a lifestyle. So they call you know that term, I'm a digital nomad, right? So I work on the computer and I can be anywhere, essentially. I have to go certain places for certain things, but essentially my work's online. So that's a lifestyle. So it's not about like, okay, I'm going to stay in a hotel there, this and that. I'm like, 
wherever I am, I want to enjoy myself. I want to have friends. I want to have weed. I want to have a place to set up my computer and good coffee. Like, that's regardless of anything. So based on my geographical circumstance, I'm going to create the best environment I can. So it just so happens I've been traveling long enough to create pretty cool life environments, like, for myself. So this is the concept behind it. Like, a vacation in America is, like, we split up our lives from, okay, work, 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 weekend, like, forget about all the work, get drunk, and spend all your money, and then work, 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 oh, and then you get a week-long vacation then. Like, that's in no way for me to live, and I tried that, and that's why I stopped it, is because for me, I want to work and play all the time at the same time, right? I want to make everything I do that makes me feel productive, and it makes me feel also relaxed, like, nothing should be stressed, and I don't think that is... It's a crazy concept, but I think that's just how programmed we are by our culture and society to think that that's actually hard or something you have to work towards. Like, if anything, it's just something you have to detach towards, get rid of baggage. But I bring this up because we went to Bali not knowing where to stay. I didn't know the place was only resorts, but I figured I'll find couch for whatever. Just let's book the tickets. Go to Bali, and I went on this this help exchange website to find a volunteer trade. And first listing was just a hostel, a permaculture hostel that they just are trying to make hostel that's sustainable with with farmland and i said hey looks like you guys could use a promo video me and evelyn are coming through can we stay he's like yeah so we stayed at this hostel for free for a month we had to pay for our own food and we just made a video like a mini documentary about the guy and it was great for him great for us like voila simple simple and the most important part of all of that or the best thing that we took away was well for me was the experience and the people like those people were awesome it was life-changing it was life-changing it really was and it emerged from us just (laughs) trying to find a cheap place to live for a month just because i wanted to go to bali (laughs) yeah and like you can share anything you can share whatever you have to offer with people like i ended up picking up yoga and i became like a teacher and so going back to when i was saying i was trying to look for a place to stay on couch surfing i ended up not even having to do that because one person i stayed with wanted me to come help teach yoga so it was like my mom's clients family that she had here in the states like connected me I stayed with her I never met her I stayed with her um, for a week from there I went to Delhi and I didn't need a couch surfer because we had met this family in Nepal and (laughs) we um, this owner of a jewelry store randomly i don't even remember exactly how we met him him. we made a video we made a video of him (laughs) and so he said oh whenever you come to india let me know if you come to delhi let me know let's talk about raj real quick (laughs) because raj is just like the like biggest teddy bear businessman that really successful businessman since 14 years old like working in jewelry with his uncle started his own business moving forward moving forward anyway he was just such a nice guy i'm like we got to make a video so i just interviewed him and we filmed it and we made this video and this is coming from a culture where they don't didn't have home vhs recorders back in the 80s you know this is a new thing he showed every person he knows like look at this video they made him because he's never seen a video of himself (laughs) i went to stay with them a few months later in Delhi and um, I became close with his daughter and they showed us the video up there. Yeah. They pulled up the video on YouTube <laughs> and, like, and we're like, this I made is the this. video <laughs> that they made of us and they were really excited about it. So you can travel, you can couch surf, you can save money that way but that's how you're going to get your best experiences and go into it and that's actually the few few points that my friend who asked me the other day, is it going to be awkward? Like, I feel weird. Like, was it uncomfortable? Like, what was your experience and I'm just like 
it's kind of just like with anyone. Some people you click with. Some people, yeah, some it's people, like life. Some people, <laughs> some people you don't. Some people it's like a little more effort to like not have awkward silences. And some people you just click with. It's just how it is with any other person. And once again, our programming, which is that comfort zone, doesn't want awkward situations. Like awkward situations come from you. Like nothing has to be awkward. But there's nothing you make wrong it with awkward. it either. If you feel uncomfortable, sometimes you're going to, and that's okay. And that's different than awkward. Yeah. yeah. And when you're uncomfortable, it's up for you to be strong and be yourself. I'm uncomfortable. I'm walking away now. And so it builds like it builds stamina, it builds courage. It's good for you to be uncomfortable. Well, it's something I'm hearing that I think is kind of interesting that maybe people don't think about when they think about traveling or vacationing or anything with something like couch surfing is instead of seeing it as this weird, awkward thing that might impede your vacation, it actually sounds like it's an opportunity to get to know people who really live in the area and get an experience that is more like life in that place. Well, and it's weird that we have to talk about that. Yeah, because people don't have that conception of that's what travel can be. Right, travel is going to a resort somewhere else where you have an American experience in another country. That's why I think going to Bali first was so important to me, especially because all of the traveling that I had done in the past, um, aside, so when I was going to school, I did some traveling on my own and I stayed in hostels because I was a student. So I was doing that. But in the past, like with my family, like my family has gone on vacations. We've been to Thailand. Um, we did it like a Europe trip. We're staying in hotels. Like it's like my mom is more comfortable with it. You know, it's just like, that's kind of, that's like the American mentality of what vacation is. That's what we did. But then when I went to Bali with Jordan and we stayed in the hostel and one of the main things that they promoted at the hostel was be be a traveler not a tourist it's actually one of the main problems now in Bali is their trash problems I was shocked one of the first beaches that we went to it was completely littered with trash like you picture these really beautiful beaches like clear waters whatever but you go there and there's so much trash and so one of their things is like a lot of people come and like from Western countries and they come and they stay at these villas, these nice resorts, which actually wiped out a lot of rice fields and really like important land for like growing rice and all these things to sustain the culture and the country. And they're just being wiped out because there's all these villas and hotels. And then aside from that, they're kind of just going to the beach, um, partying, trashing the place and then you know, like you said, getting their home experience abroad and then not ever meeting a local, not ever caring about their story, not ever caring about what's important to the people around them or... And we got to be involved like in Bali starting off in this new movement of regenerative tourism, not ecotourism, regenerative. So what you're doing by going to a place is helping mend the earth of all the damage done by tourism over the years. Not even necessarily industry, just tourism. So, or the tourism industry, but yeah. not even like manufacturing. I mean, just like like anyone that I talk to, they've been to Bali. You're like, oh, go to this waterfall or visit this temple. It's like we're going to these places to see these sites, and we don't care about the people that live there. It's like their home, and they can tell you more about it than you know your you know travel Bali book. You know, like talk to people. And well, like, and I hate seeing sites. I don't go see sites anywhere. You may have noticed that. Like, yeah. I don't go to places. I don't go to meet people necessarily either. Like, I do, but I don't, like, consciously be like, I'm going to walk around today and meet people. No, I go to a coffee shop and work on my computer, and then I end up meeting a bunch of people all the time. But it's about just being there. Yeah. So I go, sp- I normally spend, like, one month per place I go to, 
And I just like more or less stay in the same spot just to get to know it, see who I meet, who I don't meet, who I click with, who I don't. And you know what? The thing is, is there are a lot of cultural differences between us and Nepalese, right? Or us and Balinese. And there's a reason there's not as much inner inner connectivity between tourists and Balinese because it's a very different culture. But to be actually interacting in some way, shape, or form that's not just like buying your beer at the shop or like, you know, consuming something. It's actually like, all right, this is how they live. This is what they're doing. This is what they're... I don't have to be best friends with them, but it's good to actually like get to know them a bit. And so this concept is just very foreign. And I go through it a lot where I'll just kind of get fed up with something. Like, there's some kind of character trait. Like, even after being in Nepal for so long, because I was there a few months after you left, and at a certain point, I was like, all right, I don't know if I need to be here anymore. I, I spent the time I needed to with these people, got to know it, but a lot of people really resonate with, say, Nepal, or some culture in the world. They go there, and they always go back because they feel like it's them. With me, I always feel like there's something there, I learn from it, and then there's always a new one to go back to I don't know where I was going with that but uh, I have to I guess I'm just trying to show a little perspective to defend the people that really don't have cultural experience you need to try but I get it when you can't really connect well my thing it. is for someone that that's their like I want to travel I want to take off two months of my life to travel because that's that's usually what it is it's not like oh I'm quitting my job and my life and I'm gonna be a nomad like you know, like you are obviously not like most people. So, and I would say for most people, it's one or maybe two weeks. Maybe, right. So, what I would say to them is to try to get that experience, to definitely try to get to meet people. I would say couch surf, I would say a volunteer, stay at a hostel. I think hostels are are always a good option for or good good place to stay for young people because you're never alone and there's always people in and out like traveling from all over but i i think the couch surfing thing is probably like it's would be key the it, it, it it's life changing yeah do yeah. you two think that couch surfing is even good for families and people with children and no See, yeah that's hard no. That's Honestly, I prefer to do it just me, even like with two people can be. It'll be harder with yeah. with more than a person. I think definitely like it's been done, though. Do you have any advice for families if they want to travel with their children and they want to get away from that going to a hotel or going to a resort experience? Well, if I could bring up perception travel dot com again, uh, another. <laughs> and why don't you spell that? Because what people yeah. don't know is it has no ease in it. OK, well, here's the thing. It's also what people don't know. And I didn't know up until a few days ago is the nonprofit business side of things or charitable side of things is perceptiontravel.com. Perception is spelled without the E, so P-R-C-P-T-I-O-N. Perceiving realities, communicating perspective, triggering inspiration, ob- observing non-objectivity, perception. Oh, but I didn't realize it was an acronym. Oh, yeah, that's the only way I got Facebook to change the page name into all caps. It kind of evolved into, yeah, it evolved into that. Yeah, it's still evolving. That's the whole point is let it be organic. Like yeah. once you limit yourself limit yourself or something to a term and to a label, that's when you lose all creative potential. As an artist and as someone like behind perception travel, it's like I just want it to be open and free all the time because that's the only way it can expand into what it is because we're always evolving, always changing, always expanding. And then www.perceptiontravel.tv, perception spelled normally, travel spelled normally, .tv, that's the media. That's going to be the films, the TV shows, the books, the online media, perceptiontravel.tv. But basically what we'd like the organization in general to do is be able to link families to travel experiences. So case in point is we're going to host a retreat 
at the end of May or June, not sure yet, in, in Jamaica. Now, I don't know if we're going to do that through Perception Travel or through a, a sister organization or some kind of other nonprofit or for-profit organization that does those things. But basically, have this retreat where we're already renting out a big house and we need to fill spots. We need to have people be a part of the retreat where we plant a garden at the elementary school and we need to raise funds to pay for the house, right? So if you're traveling as a family, you're going to be paying more money than you'd be traveling alone anyway. But I would say to be able to create some kind of like I don't discount rates or something where, you know, you're offering your service, your time, your energy and your kids can learn. That's what it's really about is learning and sharing. So in any way possible to make it as smooth and easy as possible for both the people in Jamaica needing the support and for both the, the family in America that wants to go travel. Like, how do we make it win win? How do we make it work? So you can be comfortable, you can travel, you can offer your service to this community, they can receive it, no one has to take advantage, and that's always so, like, a slippery slope in some ways, you don't want to overstep on toes, you, you want, like, if something's too expensive, you immediately will just write it off, like, oh, I can't afford that, but that should never be in the head, everything is possible, we just have to figure it out, and so not only to promote that idea, but actually be the facilitation kind of center for those things, and to be able to inspire like that's cool a family should get to go travel i met a family once in bulgaria they were younger parents and they had kids of two they rode their bikes across the u.s with their kids in like like what are they called those little trailer things yeah. oh their kid on the sides of highways they rode across the u.s then they flew to bulgaria because it was cheap tickets from Iowa or something, with their bikes and the trailers, and then rode across Europe. And then I met them in Bulgaria because it had been months and months, and they needed somewhere to like lay low, so they were house-sitting just in rural Bulgaria with their kids. And the, the kids were like four or five, and they got to like learn Bulgarian and be in this setting. And so I don't know if they had a ton of money or not, but they were doing it pretty low budge if they're riding their right, motherfucking right. bikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They probably spent the most on flying the bikes to other countries. And then they found a house-sitting situation. So once again, if you want to travel with your family, you're not doing it for a week. You're doing it long-term, and you're creating long-term situations. Hawaii is great for work trade. We did a little reality show in Hawaii recently where we're going to... The, the aim of it is to show you it's so easy to move to Hawaii. You don't need a lot of money. You don't need a car. You can do work trade. You can forage your food. Like, it's really neat. And it's a good step because it's still your country. You're not too far out of your comfort zone on a tropical island because there's a Costco, you know? Like, <laughs> is, that, is that the deciding factor? There's a Costco. It's always, Costco. Decide, there's, there's always the deciding factor, Costco. <laughs> We're getting to a point where we should probably wrap things up. I, I like the story you just told about the family, and I feel like right before that we got maybe the best definition for perception travel yet what we've been trying to define this entire hey and i'm still trying to define Wait. it i gotta and write see. it on the and statement of information that, i think that one was great so what i want to do now is offer both of you an opportunity if there's anything else you'd like to throw in or anything you'd like to add or mention before we wrap up the show and repeat those links that we mentioned earlier goddess okay well really quickly just back to the families thing i just wanted to say that um, that whole that family like that biked and did that like crazy yeah. awesome trip or whatever I would say that someone that maybe isn't 
going to go that route, or maybe wants to take like a week. You don't think that's a good first step, or yeah. something, <laughs> or maybe maybe before like you know, Perception Travel has this retreat option. I think that, and there's nothing wrong with sightseeing, like for sure. I definitely have done sightseeing, and I definitely sheds insight into the history and culture, and I think that's important too. But I think one of something that's important, like I think it's okay. I mean, I personally, if I look moving forward, if I look to, you know, go on vacation or whatever, I would try to do something that has a good balance between comfort. Cause I think that's what most families look for, especially if you have kids or if like you have an older family member, you're looking for comforts of home. And so I, I understand that, but also find a good balance between getting the local culture in and so like for instance I just went with my family my entire family to Vietnam Uh, my mom's Vietnamese she was born and raised there so we obviously have we have connections because my mom is born there so it's a little it's a little different (laughs) but um my dad doesn't speak any Vietnamese like my sisters and I don't one of the things we did was we went to um one of the local orphanages for the day and we spent the day with them and like there's certain things you can do and I'm not saying go to an orphanage in a third world country and take picture, selfies and post it on Facebook like don't do that but what I'm saying is like find ways to go out into the community and get outside of that your hotel or whatever and snapchat it instead <laughs> see and that's you know like I don't know I just, don't make it a, I know what you're saying don't make it about you yeah make it about the people you're and we visiting. just happen to go an orf- to an orphanage it's I'm not saying like only find orphanages or you have to do charity work. Like don't come in with that um, Western country really like savior step, type right. of mentality. Like don't do that. They're fine. You know, like don't try to be, I'm helping these less I'm fortunate holy. people. Yes. Yeah, do it for do you. That. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone's always like, oh, like when I was in Jamaica and I'm just like playing with kids all day and playing music and everyone's like, I love what you're doing for the world. Oh, you're so worldly. I'm like, dude, I'm doing it for me, man. Cause I want to enjoy my life. Yeah. And I was having so much fun. And so, yeah, there's that confusion. But I was going to say a really good first step to get out of, like, the comfort bubble when you are on vacation is just take a walk. You wouldn't believe mm-hmm. how most people don't even take a walk in a foreign city. Like, you don't, leave the, you don't leave the resort, for example, or this and that. Like, you might walk by an orphanage and meet a kid out front that starts playing with you, and before you know it, you're in the orphanage playing. You can't plan that. You can't send an email in advance. You can't plan that. Even Perception Travel can't plan that for you. And that shit, perceptiontravel.com. And that stuff happens all the time because that's life anyway. All you got to do is set your intention. I'm going to take a walk and see what happens. And I do want to interact with the culture. And be open. Don't be scared. Be open. And now, obviously, if something makes you uncomfortable, walk away. But stop and and ask yourself, is that uncomfortable because of me? Or is that uncomfortable because there was actually something going on? For every person, that's different. They have different, there's varying degrees of intuition. And travel brings out insecurities. Different cultures, different language brings out insecurities. In Jamaica, I keep speaking about Jamaica because it was like my last thing, right? They speak, it's almost English. It's patois. But it's really aggressive. Like, I'll see you later. Me check you later. It's not, it's not like trying to yell at you. They're not, saying, they're not like, Jordan, I'll see you later. Let me check you later, Jordan. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, sorry. They don't mean it that way. It's just how they communicate. But it sounds like English. So I'm like, uh, scared all the time. But that's what travel does. It brings out. Because everyone interacts with reality in different ways. So start where you want to. Like, you know, if you don't feel comfortable couch surfing, do something else first. It's like you can you, meet up for drinks with couch surfers. Yes. You I, can I think still the take a walk thing the take is a, walk a great thing is a, 
recommendation. Yeah. Just walk somewhere. Yeah. Make make that decision. Walk around. See what happens. Yeah. See who you meet, and then once you get that taste, maybe mm-hmm. you'll try something a little more adventurous after that, and then. Another option, and a lot of people, like a bike tour, if you're a bicyclist and you like to tour, you can bring your bike to South Africa, you can bring it to India, and you can ride through the whole country. And you'll get to stop in villages and places you would never see otherwise. And bicycle is great, because it's a completely sustainable way of traveling. It's completely sustainable. You're providing your own energy, and you're carrying everything there. And you can stop whenever you want. And if you get scared, you can escape. Kind of, yeah, yeah. But then, once again, there's guest houses, this and that, but you will talk to people. You will talk to local people because you're traversing the local landscape as, as physically possible as, as you're able. Warmshowers.org, I think, is for bicycle tourists. Um, that you, is when you're not what bicycle. I thought you were going to say. When I know, you I was like, warm showers. showers. No, that's another couchsurfing type website, only for bicyclists oh, if you're going on tours. And I've been wanting to do that forever. And the last thing I want to say is something like that. I've been wanting to go on a bicycle tour forever, but I need to meet the right person that will like, will be like, yeah, let's do it. I have the bike. I've done it before. I'm confident to do it. Let's do it. And like, I was kind of the right person for you at the time to be like, yeah, let's go do it. Like, there are tons of things that I want to do, but the right person has to come along. And so this is what I believe in for the internet and for humans and where perception travel comes in once again, perceptiontravel.com. No ease. TV is, yeah, I'm not even doing the plug right. But yeah, like be in touch. Like we're making these videos. If you really resonate with a character, send us a message and we'll get you in touch with the person, right? One day it's going to be a database. It'll be an app where you can just connect with all the people in the videos because there's just so much widespread. And so where you're able to just do this human connection that doesn't require you following someone's Instagram or checking their Snapchat. It just kind of came your way. And you're like, wow, I really got a good vibe of that person. So, yeah, send, send me a message, basically, is what I'm saying. Like, I, yeah, I love to meet people, whether it's digital or in real life. And that's what it's all about. So I think we've pretty much covered everything then. Yeah. And the wind even died down. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming to meet me here and I have one doing last this. thing. I also All right. Have, say it. Say it. I also have a... Follow me on Snapchat. <laughs> J-A-Y-U-R-B-Z-Z. And yeah. Which, if you guys want to throw out any of like your well, Twitters and Instagrams and all that, go ahead. Do that right now. And I wanted to ask you this. Maybe it's not podcast material, but having different brands of your own that represent different aspects of you and your work and like what, who you are. So I have my own YouTube channel, which is my travel vlogs, more or less. It's five days a week. And so that is youtube.com slash J-A-Y-U-R-B-Z-Z. And stuff like this goes on it, where it's much more philosophical. It's much more behind the scenes. It's just like me as a person, what I'm doing, this and that. Perception travel is the people I meet and like the connection of that. It's a different aspect of kind of like business meets the travel vibe. Yeah. So if you're interested in that stuff, that's how you can follow my life. Goddess? Um, I don't really... I mean, if you don't want to share it, it's fine. But if you want to share your stuff, go ahead. No, I mean, it's... Your Instagram is a work of art. You don't want to share that with people? It's just my own stuff. It's not That's okay. This is is a podcast about getting to know people. Okay. It's Plendivy, which is spelled, because you're not going to know how to spell it, P-L-E-I-N-E-D-E-V-I-E. Which means full of life in French. Yes. Feminine. So that's my Instagram. But one more thing. Sorry, one more thing I want to add. I know I'm <laughs> go so ahead. sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, it's fine. It's just because I... would I, rather you guys talk about too much than just stare at me and not know what to talk yeah. about. Um, so just because just the other day, my a friend of mine asked me all these things about wanting to travel and advice and stuff. One more thing I would add is that I've heard bad stories about couch surfing. I've 
I've heard just bad stories about travelers, you know, we all have. And just don't let that be, you know, like your only perception of it. There are a lot of other really great and beautiful things happening. And travel is such an amazing thing. And I think that don't just don't let that cloud your mind when you make decisions on where to travel or what to do. Yeah, remember that like statistically, the most dangerous part of hitchhiking is standing on the side of the road, <laughs> not the people you meet. So once again, it all comes down to this fear. What do you want to focus on in life? What do you want to concentrate on? Do you want to be scared all the time or do you want to just experience and live and feel joy? It's really, that's always it comes down to. Do you want to live in fear or do you want to enjoy yourself within reason? So that's all. I think that's the end of the show. And travel's a great metaphor for it. Okay. (laughs) Sweet. Thanks, man. Yeah, Yeah, thank you guys, man. I'm going to hit stop now and make sure we actually (laughs) recorded it. So if you take nothing else away from this episode, then please take this away from it. When you want to embark on something new, the first step is to take a walk and immerse yourself into it. And then everything else will kind of open up from there and you will be free to go whatever direction you so desire. I feel like there should be the sound of a harp or something right now. So a bit in there, we discussed Jordan and Evelyn's movie going to Nepal with a camera on my forehead. And I have seen that movie. I went to Jordan's premiere party at his place up in Santa Clarita. And I was very pleasantly surprised when someone says that they're going to put a GoPro on their forehead and just tape everything around them and then piece a narrative together from that. There is some trepidation about what that may turn out to be, but I thought that he and his team did a really good job taking all of that disparate footage and turning it into something very interesting and compelling and giving a great representation of Jordan's view of his trip through Nepal and all of the ensuing life lessons and chaos that erupted while he was there. So if you would like to see Going to Nepal with a Camera on My Forehead, you should go to goingtonepalwithacameraonmyforehead.com and there you will find more information about that movie, including how you yourself could host a screening somewhere of your choosing. So if you are interested in checking that out, head over to the website. I am sure later on it will become available to the general public and I will let you know when that happens. Perception Travel has also started offering mentorship travel programs and will be hosting a retreat in Jamaica later this fall. So go to perceptiontravel.tv for more of that information. Since you're going to be on the internet, that's right, we're at this part of the show now, the part of the show where I tell you to go to our website, gogetoutside.com slash podcast. Go to the post for episode 29, Perception Travel with Jordan Urbanovich and Evelyn Wilroy, and you will find, that's right, pics. As always, you will find pics and links, links, links. Links to going to Nepal with the camera on my forehead.com. Links to Perception Travel, Evelyn and Jordan's Snapchats, Instagrams, YouTube pages, and then links to other valuable websites that we mentioned, such as Couchsurfing, Help Exchange, Wolfing, Work Away, Cycle Touring, and...
Unity Primary. So if you remember us earlier, and if you've already forgotten, shame on you. This show is not that long. Come on, guys, pay more attention. If you've forgotten what that is in reference to, it is in reference to the music that Jordan and some other people put together with some Jamaican children. You can go to that Bandcamp page and download that music. Just a quick reminder, I will be traveling through the southern United States, basically just Pensacola, Florida, Atlanta, Georgia, and the Baton Rouge area of Louisiana in July. I won't have a whole lot of time, but if you're interested in being on this show or know someone in the area who is interested, then send me an email or a voicemail and I'll get in touch with you and we'll see if we can put something together. I'm hoping to represent more of the South and the Eastern portions of the U.S. in the show this year. So get in touch with me and we can make that happen. And how could you get in touch with us here at the show? Well, I'm glad you asked. You can email us at go at butcherbirdstudios.com or... You can give us a call, 818-925-0106. That is our Google voicemail. You can leave us a message, and I promise to respond it, unless it is spam or strange, odd beeps that I occasionally get and don't understand why. And while you're sending those emails and making those calls, grab that phone, that tablet device, your internet-capable fridge or toaster, and stop by wherever you listen to this show iTunes, Stitcher, somewhere else, including, as of now, Google Play, who now offers podcasts. Go to one of those places, wherever you listen to this show. Make sure you are subscribed, and then do me a big, big favor. Rate the show, review the show. I will thank you. The world will thank you. Mankind will thank you. Next time on the show, Alex Staniforth. We are going to continue our month of millennials. I just made that up. I'm not actually referring to this as the month of millennials, but as of now, I'm referring to this as the month of millennials. So come back next time. Alex Staniforth. He is a 20-year-old UK author who has attempted to summit Everest twice during two of the most tragic years on the mountain. So come back in two weeks, June 1st, and meet our first UK guest, Alex Staniforth. All right, now go have a lot of fun. Send me messages. Tell me all about it so I can be jealous sitting at home nursing my stupidly injured ankle. Come back June 1st, folks. See you then.